in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we'd like to welcome the United States Congress to New York City. Uh, great to have him here. The Judiciary Committee holding hearings into the uh, criminal behavior of our district attorney and our elected leaders. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Jim Jordan and the crew came up here and uh, they want to highlight the absolute, uh, you can't really call it incompetence. It's it's willful disobedience of the law, right? Favoring criminals um, over victims. That's what's happening here. And thank God, quite frankly, you know, this is still a, this is still America, ma'am. This is still the United States of America. We still have our elected representatives, and some of them are not yet crazy. Mine are, oh, by the way, <laughs> where I live. I looked it up now, state, federal, local. Well, yeah, they're they're all nuts. Um, but other parts of the country have some pretty decent people representing them. Jim Jordan, um, uh, uh, Gates, uh, Matt Gates from Florida. And right now they are, it's, it's too bad. They should be grilling. I don't think... Uh, yeah, Alvin Bragg is not showing to this thing. Instead, we are meeting the very dissatisfied customers of the Manhattan District Attorney Office. People who were victims of crimes or know people who are victims of crimes who have been uh, ignored or further victimized by Alvin Bragg, who is a great big fat liar, oh, by the way, big time. And he's doing the thing that is very, very fashionable right now. Uh, oh, I know what it's like to be unjustly accused or unjustly uh, harassed by the cops. And I know what it's like to have a gun pointed at me by the cops and by the bad guys. And <laughs> uh, he made that story up. It's not true. Uh, a lot of people are out there saying, oh, uh, he's the duly elected district attorney of New York County of Manhattan. So, I mean, the people wanted this. The people, The people said so. This is the people's will. No, it's not. They rigged the election. I'm not saying that he did not get more votes. He got more votes than the Republican. That's how it works here in here in New York. Uh, the Democrat almost always wins. But they rigged it in a different way. They rigged it to have the election on the last day of school. On the last day of school. What month? In June. In June. And in a city of 8.1, 8.2 million. Is that what we got here now? How many people voted for D.A. Alvin Bragg? How many people voted for that guy? Wild guess, 82,000, 82,000 people. And uh, who the hell remembered or knew to vote on the last day of school in June? Uh, people who would get the day off from their union. <laughs> okay, unions, those kinds of people. Uh, those kinds of people would come in and um, and vote the way they were told. Very much like the machine. Very much, you know, Rudy Giuliani in many ways busted that machine wide open. And uh, Mike Bloomberg as well. And now the machine, well, it's learned its lessons, and uh, the machine has become even stronger. The machine is so uh, committed to protecting the machine, machine politics. What a shame, huh? It's uh, This used to be such a great city. It's not anymore. I used to try to talk people out of it who were thinking about going to Florida or somewhere else. You, know, you can't leave New York. Who the hell am I to stay in, stand in your way? You got to go. You got to go. Right. I, I can't I can't argue with anybody who wants to. Uh, one of the people who they're interviewing is uh, Jose Alba. Remember him, Jose Alba? He's the guy who defended himself from a uh, from a maniac. He was getting beaten up by someone who fired some shots at a cop once. 
career criminal who thought his girlfriend should get potato chips for free. Remember this whole thing? And uh, poor guy, Jose Alba, is getting beaten up big time. And you're allowed. This is still America, ma'am. You're allowed to defend yourself. And he grabbed the knife and he stabbed the guy. Now, he didn't want to. <laughs> he felt like his life was in danger. And if you look at the videotape, yeah, you could pretty much see that. Where would this maniac, by the way, have gotten the idea that he could get, his girlfriend could get potato chips for free? I mean, maybe he's watching the CBS Sunday show. CBS Sunday, uh, and people say that, that that's still a good show. It's not a good show. Uh, CBS Sunday morning. Remember, you just you got a hangover from the Charles Corralt days. That was a good show. This is a uh, woke parade, a crazy woke parade. And too many people who have status and money uh, will lie, cheat, bend over backwards, virtue signal their asses off so they can maintain their status, their money, their power. Uh, but you might as well, <laughs> they're going to come for you anyway. They're, gonna, they're, they're, they're coming for you. They really are. This is, it, it, we're moving in a direction where the state will have the ultimate say. So we, we don't have a free media anymore. You know, Joe Biden just went to Ireland. He had a press corps. They, they spent thousands and thousands, a news organization, you know, to send a reporter with Joe Biden has to, has to spend about $100,000. What, to take his picture? Because nobody over there asked him a significant question. Nobody over there asked him about the $3 million that the House Oversight Committee has now determined went to the Biden family from China. Hunter Biden is right there every step of the way. He said, hey, uh, about that laptop. Now, you got, nobody asked him about that. Nobody asked him about how Hunter Biden is sending letters to federal agencies demanding that they investigate his political opponents. I heard somebody over the weekend, you know, Joe Biden basically uh, blackmailed the president of Ukraine, according to him. All right. He told the story, you know, I don't get the money and uh, we don't get the promises in two hours. You don't fire that prosecutor. I'm taking the money and I'm leaving in two hours. Right. Remember, you can't do that. You don't have the authority. Joe is bragging right here in New York. You brag to the Council on Foreign Relations. I can do this. I can intimidate and blackmail people. And I guess when you're a Democrat, you are. All Donald Trump did was raise questions about it, and they impeached the guy. They impeached the guy. You know, I had a flashback this weekend. Um, you know, Mary Trump, you know who she is, right? She is Donald Trump's niece. She's Donald Trump's niece, and so what, right? She was like four years old when Donald Trump graduated from college. She was four, and Donald Trump graduated from college. Um, do you think she knows anything about Donald Trump that's like at all kind of sensitive or would you go and tell your niece who's 18 years, your junior, your, um, your dirty, dark secrets. So allegedly, uh, what do they say that she, she says that Donald Trump cheated on the SAT to get into UPenn Wharton. Now I don't believe that. And I don't believe it because it's coming from her. The last person in the world. If you cheat on an exam, and who's ever cheated on an exam, all right, at all, right, a little bit, a little bit. I'm not saying a big, it's hard to cheat on the SAT. You'd have to hire somebody. I'll say it right now, all right? I'm not proud of it, but I, was, I wasn't the only one doing it. I cheated on my, what was it, my 12th grade geometry, no, 11th grade geometry regions test. I did. There. Revoke my revoke my uh, diploma. You're going to revoke my diploma. I brought in the geomet the, the 
I really didn't have to. By the time I went through the trouble of writing down all the stupid notes, uh, my little cheat sheet, I actually knew the material. I actually knew them too, but I didn't. But it was definitely, I definitely checked my work with my previous, yeah, I, I'm not, that's not right, and that's not good, but I did it. And the only people who know that are me and now you, okay? Because I kept my mouth shut since 1986 when I did it. I didn't go t- laugh about it at some family party. I didn't seek out my young cousins and say, hey, where do you hear this? Uh, and Donald Trump didn't do that either. Anyway, Mary Trump is on MSNBC. I think they're going to give her a new show. They're going to give her her own show. She's had two books about Donald Trump. Two. Two books about her uncle Donald Trump. Now, how does she know Donald Trump again? Her father, Fred. Her father, Fred. Nice guy, by the way. Beautiful guy. One of the reasons why Donald Trump does not drink is because of the what, what Fred went through. Donald Trump's older brother, Fred, died at the age of like 43 at personal problems he was an alcoholic and donald trump has told the story many times one of the reasons why he did not drink was because of his brother fred telling him don't drink whatever you do don't drink and it was advice that he really heeded and you know it's kind of amazing coming from fred he easily could have corrupted his younger brother who you know hey i need a drinking buddy come on come on let's do this together come on be a man have a drink that happens that happens in families that happens uh, all the time um But so Fred has a great legacy. Fred Trump has a great legacy. Donald Trump would not have become president if his brother encouraged him to drink. Hey, three of the last four presidents never drank, by the way. It's kind of interesting. Three of the last four uh, total. And not not one of them would have become president if they drank. So where was I going with all this? Oh, so she is a superstar. Yet we never hear. From a guy with a hell of a lot more information and a hell of a lot more insight into um, into Joe Biden, right? Who's that? Well, it's Jill Biden's first husband, a guy named Bill Stevenson. And um, you may remember, or probably you don't, but in 2020, about two months or so before the election, this guy, this guy wanted, this guy thought it should be known, and I, I happen to agree with him. He talked to one of those shows, Inside Edition, I think it was, and he said, hey, everybody, just so you know, um, I was married to Jill Biden when Joe moved in on her. Joe, um, Joe was, Joe stole the guy's wife, and they were adults. And I have also said before, that does not mean, hey, if you want to vote for Joe Biden, you can vote for Joe Biden. No one's perfect, all right? There's been all kinds of things. Hey, Ronald Reagan, I mean, I think he may have had an affair. Did Gene Wyman have an affair on him? Who, right? These things happen. But they made, it a, they made it known that he had been divorced, right? We knew about that, and it's okay. But it's part of the story somehow. I think it's part of the story. And Mr. Stevenson said that, did not really slam anybody's character. He was actually respectful somehow, but I think that's kind of relevant. I think that's kind of it's kind of juicy too, right? A sitting United States senator was uh, fooling around with a guy's wife who actually worked on his own campaign, and uh, that person is Jill and divorced Bill Stevenson and got married to Joe. That's relevant. Anyway, he told that story. I'm glad it's out there, but it's funny. You never heard of Bill Stevenson. You never see him on MSNBC. You never see him on uh, on Fox News. You never see him anywhere. And I don't think, who knows if he wants more attention or not, but don't you think that's a hell of a lot more interesting than the crap that uh, Mary Trump is making up? Mary Trump wrote a book about her uncle, 
<laughs> four years old, and somehow she knows that Donald Trump cheated on the SAT. Uh, how does he put it? Hey, do we have any of uh, these clips from the from the hearing yet? All right, uh, Jim Jordan. Who do we got? Let's. Uh, we have some victims, people who were sold short by Al- Alvin Bragg. Right. Go ahead. This is Madeline Brown. Oh, Madeline, Madeline, Madeline Brown. She was on my show a couple of times. This is a woman who lost her son, and the district attorney's office, well, they just really weren't very aggressive about prosecuting people, and they let some people go. Go ahead. Ms. Frame, you are recognized for five minutes. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Madeline Brame. I am the chairwoman of Victims' Rights Reform Council. I'm also the mother of a homicide victim. My son, Sergeant Hassan Korea, Afghanistan War retired veteran, was killed in Harlem in 2018. Hassan was kicked, punched, stomped, and stabbed nine times by four individuals he did not know, nor had he done them any harm. All four of these individuals were apprehended and all four charged with first-degree gang assault and second-degree murder. This case just resolved this year. So this case drug on through the Manhattan criminal court system for four and a half years. When Alvin Bragg came into office, he was held, he was handed a strong trial ready murder case and gang assault case against all four of these individuals where this brutal, savage homicide was captured on video. He was handed a strong trial ready case, ready to go to trial. As soon as he took office, the case immediately began to unravel. He dismissed, completely dismissed, gang assault and murder indictments against two of the defendants clearly on video participating in the brutal, savage slaughter of my son. Mary Saunders, the sister involved in the homicide. He dismissed her indictment and recharged her with assault with a shoe and sentenced her to one year time served. Travis Stewart dismissed his gang assault and murder indictment and sentenced him to attempted gang assault. And he pled guilty and sentenced him to seven years. Travis will be out in the next 18 months. Mary Saunders This savage is currently walking the streets of Harlem like she didn't just participate in the the brutal slaughter of another human being. Home with her family, home with her children. If that's not a threat, uh, if that's not a threat to public safety, I don't know what is. Wow. Madeline Brame, you did an amazing job. I had her on my show a bunch. uh, And she put it's all on Alvin Bragg. You heard it. It was a ready made murder case. All he had to do was walk into the trial and he blew it all up, blew it all up and let them all go. Madeline, fantastic job. So sorry for your loss. More when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. Have you seen this stuff in Chicago? A million. uh, Kids running around like crazy. I mean, totally. This is uh, this is complete anarchy and chaos. Uh, they're madmen, madmen and women. I see women and young girls, kids, boys, uh, mostly teenagers, taking over streets, breaking things, vandalizing, looting. 
what happened? What happened in Chicago? <laughs> Thousands of them. Thou- this is like terrorism. And one of the most uh, disturbing one, every time I see anybody get on a car roof and jump up and down, there's something really scary about that. I don't know what it is. The driver isn't even there anymore. They took out everything. Maybe because I could see this happening. You know, I've, I have a family now. Imagine if my car was surrounded and a bunch of people pounding on it. What the hell? What, what You know what I mean? It's scary stuff. And this is, um, it's going on. It's totally unchecked. It's a riot. No police presence whatsoever. This is Chicago. Oh, and for good measure, they set the car on fire. And you know what the occasion was? It was a nice night out. It was warm, unseasonably warm. Spring. Spring is sprung. Let's go, th- let's go have a riot. Let's go riot. Um, it's really incredible. It's shocking. It's also you know, the national conversation. We should have a national conversation about this and about the nitwit mayor who's about to uh, take office. So any normal person would see this and say, we need the cops. We need law and order. We need, what does the mayor-elect say? We need more summer jobs. It's not even summertime yet. It's not even summertime. It's a lack of opportunity. It is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. How the hell does he know that? How does he know that? What opportunity do you have when you're in 10th grade? Oh, by the way, what was my opportunity? I had a paper out. Let's see. I worked at Snow House, a ski shop, sharpening skis, sharpening and waxing skis. That was probably the worst job I ever had. I hated that job. Sharpening and waxing skis for six hours on a Saturday. I hated it in a room by myself. But it was a job. What? 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 There are plenty of opportunities. There are plenty of jobs. They can't hire enough people. Making excuses. And that chaos is coming here, by the way. Greg Kelly. Entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Just a little pandemonium in Chicago. I call it pandemonium. The mayor-elect of Chicago calls it uh, kids blowing off steam. Spring break, you know? <laughs> Just blowing off a little bit of steam. Oh, they don't have jobs. They can't get jobs. What? What job? They can't, you can't be an investment banker. There are all kinds of places. Go work at the Foot Locker. I worked at the ski shop. Go work at the Foot Locker. I had a buddy who worked at the Foot Locker at Roosevelt Field Mall. All kinds of jobs out there for teens. All kinds of jobs out there for people willing to work. Insane. Insane. Hey. All right. I got to talk I got to address this matter. Ron DeSantis, uh boy oh boy, that train seems to be coming off the tracks. Did you see this over the weekend? A top This is in the Guardian, but it was all over the place. A top Republican donor said he had paused plans to fund Ron DeSantis's expected presidential run because of the Florida governor's stance on abortion and book banning. Hmm. Thomas Petterfee, founder of Interactive Brokers, a digital trading platform, told the Financial Times, I have put myself on hold because of his stance on abortion and book banning. Myself and a bunch of friends are holding our powder dry. Uh, Petterfee also noted that DeSantis seems to have lost some momentum. Yeah, absolutely he has. DeSantis has not declared a run, but is widely expected to do so. He is the closest challenger to Donald Trump in the polling, blah, blah, blah. Um Last week, DeSantis did this, that, and the other thing. After Pertifee's intervention, the New York Times reporter Maggie Haberman, oh, she's always, she's always 
she's always kind of last. She's always last in trying to say, "Oh, I heard this. I've been. I heard this a long time ago." Uh, let's see here, though. She writes, "A major donor finally goes on record with what has been a whisper. Donors are getting worried." Uh, this is true. I've heard this from some very smart, wealthy people. They don't like Ron DeSantis. He is uh, he's full of himself. He's uh, arrogant. You know, it's okay. You gotta you gotta masquerade your arrogance, especially around people who can fund your campaign. Now he's trying to say, "Well, I'm independent. I don't need these guys." Well, everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Now, one thing I I wouldn't call that book banning that DeSantis is doing. DeSantis, we're just saying no pornographic books in the children's library. That's it. That's all. But he has been kind of, he doesn't look like he's ready for this. And I have been saying this for over a year. In fact, listen to this. This is in the, uh, I usually don't quote the Daily Beast, but they did a big write-up on me back in July. All right, July of 2022. That's, what is that, nine months ago, 10 months ago? Newsmax's top-rated host, Greg Kelly, warned Republican Governor Ron DeSantis on Friday night, do not take on Donald Trump for president come 2024. The declaration from the primetime star comes more than two years ahead of a 2024 general election and months ahead of the 2022 midterms as behind-the-scenes Republican Party lieutenants mull potential 2024 GOP presidential contenders. Governor Ron DeSantis... He is amazing, so talented, so smart, unlimited political future. I want him to be president someday, Kelly began his Friday evening show as a graphic appeared on screen stating, Not yet, Ron. I think that's almost guaranteed to happen, but I'd rather not see him run in 2024. The message from Kelly comes while Trump world remains unsure precisely when a Trump 2024 campaign announcement might come. We all know it's already come. It came a little bit after that. After airing a highlight reel of the Florida governor taking aim at reporters, Kelly heaped on the praise before cutting to the chase. Let's face it, though, he's borrowing heavily from Donald Trump, the style and the agenda and policies. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But I'm hearing from more and more Republicans. Well, you know, Donald Trump has all that baggage and it's time for a fresh face. Do not fall for that argument. Kelly then dug in, arguing that, unlike Trump, DeSantis could be considered a career politician. Let's see. He's 43 now. On Election Day in November of 2024, he would be 45 years old. Now, here's the thing. The, that makes him, what, three decades younger than President Trump? I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying he's got plenty of time ahead of him. I'm saying he's got plenty of time ahead of him to make his move, but not now. And there are some things he needs to clean up, the primetime Newsmax host said, just a little bit. The Newsmax host added that in 2018, he believed DeSantis should have easily defeated then-Democrat candidate Andrew Gillum. Yet instead, he said DeSantis was nervous and fidgety during the debate. He really was. I think he, DeSantis, needs to work on that. Further, Kelly chalked up DeSantis as a wannabe Trump clone. Obviously, he, DeSantis, has studied President Trump very, very carefully. You can kind of see it in this picture in Mar-a-Lago. I mean, they're very similar. And I think DeSantis inhaled so much from Donald Trump. The agenda, the style, it's all Trump's. He, Trump, changed everything, changed everything. And I think he can change it again, the host concluded. Here's an idea, although constitutionally it may be complicated. Trump and DeSantis on the same ticket. Hmm. Yeah, I was. I I saw the limitations. I saw the the rigidity. 
It's a rigid guy, very rigid. You got to be a bit loose. You got to be not afraid of reporters, and he seems to be kind of afraid of reporters. This guy, uh, DeSantis. So that's what I said last month. I mean, last year, July of last year, and now some people are kind of uh, going on record saying, "Whoa, turning looks like a bit of a flash in the pan." Hey, Mike Pompeo is not running for president. He said he's not doing it. Imagine that. He's somebody else. I quite frankly, could these people be listening to me? Huh? Could they? Am I? Um, I know they are, actually. I know they are. Sonny in Rockland County, hi. Hi, doing, Greg. Um, I have some sad news to announce. Uh, there is a, a war hero, World War II hero, Alan Moskin, who just passed away this weekend. Um, he was one of, I believe, the last liberators to liberate a Nazi death camp. Uh, he was 18 years old. He would have been 97 next month, but I just got word from the Holocaust Museum in Rockland County, which we both volunteered. He lived in my development, and uh, now he's gone, so I just want to pass it on. Alan Moskin. Wow. What a sounds like a great guy. Uh, this is the first I'm hearing of him. Uh, one of the greatest generation, they like to say. What death camp was it? Do you know? Oh, I do know. Uh, it was a sub camp, but the uh, it was Mauthausen. And uh, that wasn't the sub camp, but uh, it was got scurring. What did he like do that. when he What did he do when he got back in the war? Uh, he became an attorney. I think he worked in Englewood, uh, Englewood, New Jersey, and part of it in Nanuet, where um, where I know him. I was his driver for a while, and uh, he still actually drove up until ninety six years old. Wow. All right. Well, Alan Moskin, sorry to hear that. But, hey, let's face it, dude, 97, that is a good, long life. Amazing. He saw amazing things, became an attorney, wife and kids. What's the deal there? Uh, Yes, yes. He had wife and kids and grandchildren. Uh, He recently, a few months ago, moved to South Carolina. But there will be a a ceremony uh, in uh, New City, New York. Uh, at a Jewish, um, uh, some Jewish, uh, uh, I don't know, a building over there. Um, uh, it's a Jewish center. I will be attending. And uh, I have a lot of uh, photos, really nice photos, if I could send them somewhere, and, uh, if it would be possible. I mean, I, you know, you can send them to the people who knew him and loved him. Put them on your Facebook page. Sonny, I don't want you to take this to, uh, you know, I, I, this is a great man who passed away, and you were privileged to know him. I want you to celebrate a little bit. Celebrate that you got to know the guy. I definitely will. All yeah. right. All right, man. Hang I, in there. And uh, it's a great thing that, uh, you know, you respect your elders, and they they know so much. Thank you, buddy. They know so much more than the young. They really do. What did Bernard Shaw say? The youth is wasted on the young. The youth is wasted on the young. I only know that Bernard Shaw said that because Ralph Cramden told me he did. Anyway, Alan Mouskin, rest in peace. Wow, amazing life. Uh, let's do Sandra. Hi, welcome back, New Jersey. Hello. Hi, welcome back. Hope you had a great weekend. You know, I just wanted to tell you that I was uh, thinking about Ron DeSantis. You said everything today about him that I, I agree with. Um, he, I'm thinking now, I used to think I didn't want him to run against Trump because I want Trump to be peaceful running going forward. But now I think differently about Ron DeSantis. He is going to uh, ban the central bank digital uh, currencies. He's going to go fight Disney again. And I'm saying to myself, 
this guy is such a great governor, like we all say, and I think people are competitive by nature. And I think by him remaining as governor, other governors are going to want to do better because he's such a good role model as a governor. So right now I think that he should remain as governor, not because I don't want him to run against Trump, I don't, but now I see it differently. I want him to be a governor to continue and to do all these good things so other governors in other states will copy. Well, I don't yeah. know about that. That's, inter- that's an interesting way of looking at things. Uh, having been around politicians, they're motivated by, well, I don't know. They're not like normal people, okay? They're, they're just a different breed. They're just not, they're not all motivated by doing a good job for the people. You'd be surprised at how rare that is, okay? Oh, that reminds me. You know who's the worst governor in the world? Um, although, boy, oh boy, the fake news loves him. Uh, what's his name? Wes Moore. Wes Moore from Maryland. Oh, boy, Wes Moore. Have you ever heard of Wes Moore? Oh, he's amazing. Why? Well, he's just amazing. Okay, why? Uh, well, he went to a college. He went to a great college. Okay, what else? They're just, oh, well, his story, his mother was poor. I mean, that, that routine, right? Anyway, I saw him on the news this weekend. Wes Moore. And he does look great in a suit, but uh, here he is. He's been in office three months. He's just itching to get on TV, just itching to get on the shows, and itching to score cheap political points. Uh, I notice he doesn't really make much of a fuss about crime. And, and, you know, they've done TV series about crime. How many TV series about crime in Baltimore have they made? 50, right? I mean, that's that's like the epicenter, ground zero. <laughs> this is... I mean, is there even a city in Baltimore anymore? It's, it's, it's in ruins. And I never hear from him. And I actually looked up. I, after this, I heard him on the news. And here he is with Jonathan Carl, who's kissing his rear end, oh, by the way, on the This Week with George Stephanopoulos show, which more and more does not feature George Stephanopoulos. May I hear that, please? And it was going to be an all-of-the-above approach. I mean, just last night in Baltimore, we had a 12-year-old murdered with an assault rifle, a 12-year-old. And so when we talk about an all-of-the-above approach, it's why in our first 90 days, yes, we did things like invest a historic measure of $107 million into mental and behavioral health supports, that we put, uh, that we put $122 million into local law enforcement to include $17.5 million into Baltimore City alone. But it's also about... So, so you're certainly not in the defund the police mode. No, know? not at all. And, and, and also, when you look at the fact that if you think about how we're actually investing in other things as well, because you're not going to militarize your way out of something that is a larger challenge. We have to get these illegal guns off of our streets. And at the same time, it's the reason that we made record investment in public education. All right. It's the reason that we also did things like investing in, in a service year option, where high school graduates will have a chance to have a year of service. To the state of Maryland. Oh, so my this is goodness. All the, above, all the above approach. All the above approach. Got it. Wow. Wow. Just amazing, right? Same old crap you've been hearing for a long, 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 long time, right? And uh, what does it mean? He only invokes this one death because he can blame it on an assault rifle. I looked it up, and the police don't know what the hell kind of weapon it was, okay? <laughs> they, they don't know. It's funny. Um, only this one, though. Because he can kind of, he can make the case, well, the police said it was similar, the the shell casing similar, could be an assault rifle, an assault, an assault rifle, right? A cheap point about guns in this phony debate about guns. I I see he he neglected the seven-year-old who was stabbed to death. Uh, 
the 90-year-old man who was shot to death. I mean, people are getting, there's carnage there all the time, all the time. And he's one of these guys who talks about, uh, you know, that the community should not be afraid of the cops. And we have to work on that. We have to work on that. We we must work on that. We must reform. We must reform the police. You know, it's really not, it was never about money. It really wasn't. The the police departments in this country, basically well-funded. It's about the fake narrative that the police are somehow vestiges, hold holdovers from a white supremacy uh, slave state that is America or was America, but it's still there. Fundamentally racist. Fundamentally racist. You can't, our original sin of racism, right? Original sin of slavery. And to see this guy come in cheap. It's all about him, oh, by the way. I went to his website. He's given four major speeches since he's become governor. His inaugural address, his state of the city. Uh, he went to um, Britain to make a speech on climate change and some other phony baloney thing. Oh, the Democrat retreat. The Demo- And it, the message is always the same. Aren't Don't I look great? I mean, don't I look great? Aren't I great with these cliches, right? You hear me? You hear me whip it out like that? You hear me triangulate? You hear me try to throw a bone to the conservatives? You hear me try to block or uh, preempt any potential criticism? Wow. Aren't I amazing? Three months in, never held office before. Um, but they want to make him president. And they just might because of his story. I'm sick of people's stories, though, but I am totally sick of their stories. I don't want to, I don't know. What can you do? What can you, you know, what can you do and what have you done is a lot different from your story. Well, my mother was on welfare. Who cares? Tell me you employ thousands of people. That's kind of interesting. That means you know something about the world. I mean, okay, that's an interesting story. Everybody's got a story, whether your mother was poor or rich or whatever, that does shape us who we are and but what do you have to contribute? What do you have to give back? Sorry, I grew up with a a mother and a father, and uh, we were not poor. We weren't rich, but we were not poor. Does that make me, do I have less to offer? Do I have less to contribute? Rocco, what was your situation when you were growing up? Do you think it matters? Uh, you make your own self out of what you're worth, out of your hard work and determination. Any other thing is just bogus, in my opinion. I agree, Rocco. What's that beeping, by the way? I'm sorry. It's a, a warning device. I'm working. Um, I just wanted to let you know, you know, the only way we're really going to cut crime in any of these major cities, especially at crimes with weapons and knives, you got to bring back stop and frisk. I'm sorry. Um, you got to bring back the plain coast division of uh, the police. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not racist. It's the thing that we need to do. Um and also, how about we bring back work camps for people that do uh, that steal? I bet you they wouldn't steal no more if they had to rake some grass or pick up some garbage all day long. Maybe that. But, you know, the ACLU will say, nope, you can't do that. That's discrimination. This is what we're dealing with. I can't believe you're saying these crazy things. Don't you understand that the the answer, we can't militarize our way out of these problems. We have to we have to. We have to promote transgender issues. We have to promote critical race theory. That's a uh, look. I don't like the uh, phrase work camps. I don't know. That, that, all that stuff has been tried before. You know, what do they call it? Boot camp, boot camp, the boot camps. I don't care what the hell they do in prison. All right. I really don't. I mean, I need it to be humane, but I don't really care what the hell goes on there. 
They already, you know, you can get a PhD in prison. You can get a PhD. You can get a freaking PhD. So knock yourselves out. But you're right about stop and frisk because there is absolutely no fear anymore. No fear that you'll be caught with a weapon, right? You used to be, if you, furtive movements, they called it, suspicious. You could be stopped. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Rocco. I got to go. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, big night on Saturday night. Big night I had. Big night. The wife and I watched a show on Amazon. I have not done that. Uh, mm, when the hell's the last time? I, I, I can't remember. It's been a very long time since I watched a show. I think there were 10 episodes. I watched three of the 10. I watched the first two and the last one. My wife gobbled them all up on Sunday and but I did watch we watched the first two together and then I watched the last one very intriguing it's called what the hell was the name of that Daisy Jones and the Six Daisy Jones and the Six it was like a band very much it like loosely based on Fleetwood Mac you know uh, two singers two female singers um, charismatic uh, tall guy and, um, you know, all the stuff that goes with being in a band, right? Sex, drugs, rock and roll, and all that nonsense. Why is that, by the way? Why don't they just say, um, don't do that? <laughs> you want a long career? You want to be like Bon Jovi? Or do you want to be one-hit wonders, okay? Uh, party your asses off. Or you want to kind of, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Anyway, very good, very good. But at the end of it, I don't want to give it away. I really shouldn't give it away. Um, and there are too many shows. Eh. Anyway, let me just put it to you this way. I was once again moved so deeply this weekend about how real God is, how real Jesus is, and how it's all accessible in the Bible. All, all, all to each and every one of us. You start reading that book, uh, amazing things start to happen. And he is, that's a way he can, he can communicate to us any way he wants, but this is one of the primary ways and it's not just a book. I'm telling you, it's like a living, breathing thing. It knows exactly what you're going through. He knows. And he knows how to answer your questions. And I I wish I could put it into words. Well, I am going to put it into words. This morning, I was stumped on something. I was just stumped about a certain, not big issue, but an issue that was on my mind. And uh, I opened the Bible, and there's the answer right there, right there, staring me in the face. And quite frankly, it was about going into a meeting. And, uh, you know, let's face it, sometimes we don't give uh, each other the respect that we need. Familiarity breeds contempt, right? If you know somebody, whether you're in the same family or in the same job, you know what I mean? They blow you off. Maybe you blow them off, right? And I was thinking about what Jesus said about how a prophet, like, you know, what is that? And it's a prophet, nobody, nobody believes him in his own town. And anyway, and I looked it up, and it was right there as soon as I opened the Bible. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. Thank you, Jesus. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How do these how do these people become uh, elected officials, huh? They do it by gerrymandering, by selecting the voters, not the voters selecting the leaders and uh, all kinds of other trickery. So that a guy like Jerry Nadler, Jerry Nadler, Congressman Jerry Nadler can stay in office for 30 years, <laughs> 30 years. Uh, he was there today defending 
Alvin Bragg defending uh, the system uh, that produced an indictment of President Trump, yet lets criminals go. That's all good with uh, uh, this individual, isn't it? Where is this? Okay, so there. Let me hear this. Cut 46, if you don't mind. Cut 46. This hearing is being called for one reason and one reason only to protect Donald Trump. Jim Jordan and his Republican accomplices are acting as an extension of the Trump defense team. Uh, and then uh, after after he starts, first of all, the audience like looked at each other like, huh, who the hell is this guy? And then they realized, okay, he's a clown. Cut 36, please. Cut 36. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. I do not know... If Mr. Trump will be found guilty, I do not know. Gentlemen, suspend. The gallery uh, should refrain from commenting and let the gentleman from New York finish his statement. That was like the tenth time they laughed, though. By the way, I mean nobody takes Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler, who um, impeached Trump because what did Trump do? Did Trump do? He dared question and dared uh, ask somebody to look into. Joe Biden blackmailing the president of Ukraine, as he admitted to have done. We really are. This is really insane stuff. It is backwards, upside down weirdness. And that's why I love it when some smart people come to town and say, you know what? You're not crazy. The system is crazy, but you're not. Cut 37, please. Matt Gates, cut 37. Our criminal justice system is insane. It's dangerous. It's harmful. And it is destroying the fabric of our city. Time and again, our police officers make an arrest. And then the person who is arrested for assault, felonious assault, robberies and gun possession, they're finding themselves back on the street within days, if not hours, after arrest. Eric Adams, New York mayor. My friends, the reason we are here in New York is because you have Democrats, you have citizens calling for some relief from this pain and we are here not to use anyone but to uplift the voices of brave people who are here to tell their story fantastic representative matt gates i like that guy a lot here's a little bit more from him uh this is cut 41 to the extent that there is an impact on crime rates in major cities i would suggest that that is exactly what you get with the sorosization of the United States justice system, and in places like New Orleans, Louisiana, in places like Tampa, Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida, in Tucson, Arizona. Increasingly, George Soros is putting in upwards of $40 million to elect 75 uh, DAs to be able to engage in these downgrades. Hey, you know what they would say? You know what actually uh, Jerry Nadler said right then, right then, that any attack on George Soros is somehow racist. Any attack on Alvin Bragg and George Soros is racist and anti-Semitic. First of all, um, uh, George Soros, I, 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 they tell me he's Jewish. I guess I learned that recently. No, but that does not factor in. That's a, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I believe she's Roman Catholic. I mean, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, I want all these people to be spiritually upright and all that stuff, but it does not matter as far as the public square and what's said. It has nothing to do with you can criticize George Soros, who does seem to be intent on dismantling America as we know it. You can uh, criticize Alvin Bragg, who also seems to be having an identity crisis, right? 
He was uh, self-consciously upscale as a kid, and now he just can't. <laughs> I don't think he has the moral authority <clears throat> to back the cops. I don't think so. He's uh, he's approaching it from an entirely different angle, and it's we're all paying the price. We are all paying a very, very big price. Um, let's see here. I would like to address the issue of, well, we can't do it in one fell swoop, can we? Uh, but the transgender conversation, the fixation on those kids and gender affirming surgery in Washington state, yet the latest state wants these kids to be able to undergo a transition, a permanent radical mutilation of their bodies without parental consent. It just passed the Washington State Assembly and it's headed to the wacko governor's desk and he's going to sign the damn thing. He's going to sign it. And Joe Biden, this masquerades as, uh, I got your back. To all those trans kids out there, I got your back. No, you're certainly, uh, you're certainly fascinated by them, though. You know who's been really great on this? Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle has openly wondered, what is it about the media and why they can't stop talking about the transgender stuff, which affects so few people? Maybe they have some sort of, uh, I don't know. They kind of uh, they kind of like it. It kind of I mean, like it titillates them, right? It kind of titillates them. It excites them, perhaps, because it doesn't make sense. I broke down. I broke down the one area where it does make sense in a very sad way, though, that the human rights campaign, which sounds like a great group. Hey, I love human rights. We all love human rights. But the human rights campaign is a group that advocates for LGBTQ. Um, and quite frankly, I like the human rights campaign when it uh, advocated for LGB, lesbian, gay, bisexual. It used to be LGB, LGB, and then it became LGBT, and then it became LGBTQ and LGBTQIA and LGBTQIA+. Hey, let me know right now what the A stands for, what the A or Q stand for in LGBTQIA+. And all while we're at it, tell me what the plus is all about, because nobody knows that one either. And they they really don't. There are debates online. They have debates, and they they shout at each other about what this stuff all means. But after the after uh, well after gay people got the right to marry, and I'm okay with that, to be honest. I, I you can I, I I I am. I know. And all the way to second that undermines this, that, and the other thing. I'm actually I um from a from a municipal perspective, you can it's fine. Gay people in the military, I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay with that too. Actually. It's funny, as Fran Lebowitz once pointed out, um, the great thing about being gay for a long time was you didn't have to serve in the military and you didn't have to get married. <laughs> it was a joke, obviously, but there was some truth to it. Um, so after they got, it's like the dog catching the bus. Now what? Now what? And they had to find, um, they had to expand victimization. So you had to go to transgender and now you're on to transgender kids. And anybody who thinks that it's somehow a civil right for a an eleven year old to be hanging around with uh, drag queens, man, we are one sick place, and we are going down the tubes, and it's just a matter of time before China beats our ass in a war. I mean, it really is. What else do you think is going to happen? What direction are we going? You know what kids want to be in America? The number one profession they want, the, the they poll the kids in school. You know what it is? Influencer, social media influencer. You know what they want to be in China? Astronaut. Astronaut. 
We haven't had that kind of ambition in this country since like 1966. Social media influencer. And how do you be a social media influencer? Well, one great big shortcut is this uh, is this LGBTQ stuff. Because you could be a talentless freak like Dylan Mulvaney jumping up and down. Hey, oh, by the way, I think, are we, are we, are we finished with her yet? Is she, is she out of the picture? He out of the picture? Um, Budweiser did a major about face, and now they broke out those giant horses to promote the beer, right? Remember the, what do they call them? The Klondikes? The Klondike horses with the big gigantic hooves? I saw them once in Colonial Williamsburg. These are gigantic horses, and I don't know what the tie-in is, but somehow they promote beer awareness. Everybody knows the Klondike horses. Klondike, Clydesdale, whatever. They're great big giant horses, and um, it promotes beer a lot more effectively than Dylan Mulvaney. And everybody can tell that Dylan Mulvaney is not a beer drinker, totally not a beer drinker. Hi, guys. Jim in, uh, no, never mind. Hold on. Uh, Laura. Laura in, uh, where are you? Hi, Laura. I'm in New York. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm sorry I missed you at the warehouse. Um, you make it sound I like missed- I didn't show up. I was there. No, I, w- I was not there. I apologize. No problem. And I'm sorry. I already call it. My problem is I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact of this white privilege concept. Mm. Um, the American people, regardless of their nationality, has paid um, for people all around the world for as long as they paid into their federal funds. I paid. I worked for 45 years. I've been paying for AIDS research in Haiti and so on and so forth. So I really I'm looking for like a Hallmark card so somebody could send me a thank you. Um, I think we've all done so much for the world that for them to, and, and we're all, you know, you have every nationality you could think of that lives in the United States, been multicultural for so long. Why is it the white people that um, are being singled out? And why are the white people singling out the white people? I'm a retired sergeant from the NYPD, and I feel like this stencil is the same stencil from 2014 uh, where they were shooting at my colleague. Wait, the what stencil? Uh, What did you say? The stencil? What? Yeah, you know, the old projectors when you used to put a stencil on it and it used to illuminate on the um, wall. Yeah. The port that. Yeah. They took the old stencil and they're putting it on the projector again. Everybody has to tell everybody, be safe, be safe, be safe, be careful. This is how we're living right now in the Build Back Better. Um, I don't, I don't, what's been built back better? How come we don't speak about Build Back Better? All right, you're going in a bunch of, I love it. Hold on. The first thing you said, though, is very interesting, and uh, you're right. We have paid. If you're an American taxpayer, you have invested in all kinds of things you have no idea about, and a lot of them are pretty wholesome, at least, you know, righteously intended uh, projects, fighting AIDS in Haiti, fighting AIDS in Africa, all that stuff. And now sometimes we go off the deep end, too. Um, I mean, some of the stuff we're paying for is just totally bizarre. But you're right. We have paid for a lot of really fantastic projects. And all we seem to get is resentment and bitterness from the rest of the world, right? And oh, by the way, paying for all that stuff, it hasn't really enhanced our position, has it? It hasn't. Absolutely Nobody, not. They're Absolutely. all, yeah, right. They're looking at the Chinese who are building roads. 
okay? Factories who are building like real infrastructure as opposed to uh, some of the things that we invested in. Although some of the stuff we did do, hey, George W. Bush, oh, by the way, did some amazing things fighting AIDS in uh, Africa. He did. He's like one of the, he's saved a lot of lives. Unfortunately, he killed a lot of people too, Iraq. Anyway, Laura, how's everything else? Thank you very much, Greg. My honor, my privilege. Oh, good, good, good. Hey, what'd you do when you retired from the NYPD real quick? I worked. I yeah. continued to work. I know, but what? Um, I worked in security. I worked, I taught a class at St. Charles Hospital for a nonviolent intervention. I worked. I'm a worker. I love it. Where you get things in life, you work for it. I know. That's how you get things in life. That's how people become envious of you because they're not workers. Go to work. Put all all that nonsense with the kids. Go back, put all your your sexual things back in the bedroom and go back to work. Is it mad? Like the 60s. (laughs) Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my love. They realized they had to go back to work. Put all your sexual stuff back in the bedroom. And uh, and you know what? Um, see all the sexual nonsense that these kids think and knew? I tell my nephew, it's a, the old stuff with a new bow. My aunt was gay 40 years ago. It's, yeah. a, it's the old stuff with a new bow. Laura, I want you to run for Congress. Wherever the hell you live, I'll move there and vote for you. I love it. I love it. You're right. Put it back in the damn bedroom, all right? Be whatever the hell you want. Do you have to run down 6th Avenue yelling, screaming, and shouting about it? I don't. There are all kinds of things I like that you guys don't know about, and we're going to keep it that way. Laura, I appreciate it. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're led by stupid people, and let me tell you, we've never been in such danger in our life. I believe it's the most dangerous time in the history of our country because of the power of weaponry. And I'm not talking about rifles now. You know what I'm talking about. The N-word. Can't use the N-word. Two N-words you can't use. You can't use the, the nuclear word. The power of these weapons is so... And I would never talk about it. I didn't talk about it, and now it's talked about every single day, including by Putin. He goes, you know, we're a great nuclear power. He says that publicly now. He never said that when I was here, because you don't talk about it. It's too destructive. You don't talk about it. Now they're talking about it all the time, and we have somebody that has no idea what it is. (laughs) We've never been in such danger. Because of our leadership, we've never been in such danger. Absolutely, Mr. President. President Trump at the NRA convention. What a leader. What a leader. And what do we have here in New York? Ewick, cut 11, please. Cut 11. I just view it as this is simply a donation or contribution to the Trump campaign. Really ridiculous, particularly when you do an analysis of the congressional district of Jim Jordan. You'll see uh, that crime is actually higher in his district per capita. Uh, New York City, uh, crime is uh, really taking trending in the right direction. Trended in the right direction, huh? Uh, you know, I, I, these guys lying comes so easily to them. Lying. The government is doing a great job. Just ask the government, right? Just ask Eric. So. Uh, it took me about eight seconds to uh, uh, find out that Troy, Ohio, which is the center of uh, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan's district, is, <laughs> uh, I mean, study after study, survey after survey, one of the safest and one of the nicest places to live in the entire country. Okay. 
But nobody, you know, you, you can get away with this crap because nobody really is going to bring bring it up. No one's going to. Now, what he's trying to do and what they do sometimes is they'll talk about all of Ohio. Well, and then you got to go to Cleveland. They'll say, like, Ohio's a red state and tr- crime is higher in Ohio. Well, yeah, no, let's be real here. We're talking, <laughs> you want to talk certain neighborhoods in Columbus? You want to talk Cleveland? Huh? You want to talk certain neighborhoods in Toledo? All right, that's where you're getting your numbers from. Okay, red state. You know what another red state is? Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, crime in these Trump states out of control. Yes, I know. Memphis. <laughs> Memphis. Oh, by the way, were you watching my Newsmax show? The guy who uh, got kicked out, one of the two who got kicked out of the Tennessee National, uh, what do they call it there? Assembly, uh, State House. He was uh, kicked out and now he's back in along with his buddy. Well, I have his mugshot from the time he was caught rioting and pulling people over. He's not a police officer, just demanding that people get out of their car and then abusing them, hitting them about the face and breast, chest, neck, and head with a rubber cone. With a rubber cone. Uh, that's, uh, that is not America. That is an assault on democracy, Justin Jones. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, top story on CNN just about all day long, all day long. Um, really sad story, um, but I don't know if it deserves to be the number one story at CNN, Cable News Network, right? The most important, the most trusted name in news. Uh, let's see here. A young man. Oh, my gosh. He was only 12 years old. And uh, his name is Ralph Yarl. Y-A-R-L. Back on April 13th. So that's when was that? The day before yesterday? Two days ago? In Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, a white man in his 80s is the individual who apparently shot and seriously wounded Ralph Yarl, a black teen, on April 13th in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, CNN reports. Uh, two representatives of the Kansas City Police Department uh, confirmed that this is the guy in his 80s. He's white. They're really making a big deal out about that. They took him into custody uh, about midnight, and he was out of jail two hours later. Uh, let's see here. Uh, officers responded to a home on April 13th, just before 10 p.m., after receiving reports of the shooting. Ralph was shot twice and struck in the head and arm the family's attorneys say the neighbor CNN spoke with said they did not hear the shooting because they were asleep. But once they were awake, we came outside. The victim was laying in the street. A crowd was out around them all. All right. So the kid went to pick up, I guess, his little brother and was supposed to go to 1815th Street. But instead, he went to 1815th Terrace. It's an honest mistake, obviously, and nobody should be shot over that. And it's crazy, but is it? Why is this the number one story uh, at CNN right now? Hmm? Why is it? Why is it? I, it's really terrible, but people do get shot and killed in America all the time. There are uh, firearms accidents. Uh, the, the people just the people outright kill people. Why? Why this story though? What makes the news? There are tens of thousands every single year. Why? So you can't put every single on one on the news. This one's big right now. Why is that? Well, because the shooter is white and the young man was black. That's the only reason. It's quite frankly a form of discrimination. It really is. Like, like it's somehow that a, if this black child were killed by uh, a, a another black person, somehow that would not be newsworthy. That would not be somehow relevant. But if it's a white person, and why is that? Why is that? 
Well, because people like Ben Crump and Al Sharpton, and they are experts at this, experts. They've been doing it for decades. They know how to come in and exploit the hell out of it for political power and money and status and prestige, but most of all, money. How much is Ben Crump worth now? Ben Crump, oh, by the way, uh, was the one in charge with uh, the Trayvon Martin hoax. And he he just totally, totally uh, concocted that fantasy, and the mainstream media ate it right up. Trayvon Martin was a bad kid who was out to kill George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman was found not guilty. Yeah. Prosecutors didn't even want to charge him, but they had to for political pressure due to all of it coming right from the White House. Isn't that interesting, though? Again, it does not even matter as long as the shooter is white or better yet, a white cop. Black lives. Black lives matter, they tell us. Apparently, only when that black life is taken by a white cop. That's the only reason. That's the only way they can make money. It's the only reason they can gain political power. It's really incredible. It's striking. CNN, how in the hell? Why? Of all the other ones, this is the thing. And, oh, by the way, it tears communities apart. It really does. And then the idea that racism is everywhere. I mean, this guy's 80 years old. He made a mistake. Who the hell knows what? I mean, maybe he's uh, I mean, maybe he's a, maybe he's a white supremacist, or maybe he's just an old guy who got confused. What do you think? Dave in Deerfield Beach, Florida, hello. Hey, you have two great shows, but the reason I'm calling now is where, where can I get the information to show all my Democrat friends who listen to ABC and CBS that they don't have the right information? I, I just never have the right sources to convince people, and I end up in arguments because they don't believe anything I say. I'm, I'm what, sorry. Uh, well, thanks for watching, oh, by the way, and listening. So what do you want? What are you asking? Where can I find documentation that, let's say, the New York Times is not always correct on things? Where, do I go to like places like Judicial Watch or, you know, Hillsdale College? Where can I get information to, to kind of show people that, you know, what they're reading and seeing in the Times and ABC and, you know, the standard things are not correct? Well, look, you know, it's uh, <laughs> I would I would just tell them to open their eyes, number one. Right. And they're going to dismiss whatever you come in with. OK, but it, what I like to point out are and these are very easy to find. And some people have never, ever, ever seen it. They've never seen it. You look up Joe Biden lying New Hampshire. And have you ever seen that? The three minutes where he's yelling and screaming about how smart he is and how many degrees he has. And he graduated with the Moot Court International Competition Award. And he was at the top of his class and three undergraduate degrees. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I believe I have. Well, whip out your phone next time and uh, just say, I want to show you something. I want I want you to listen to this and then make sure you get the version where the media comes on right after. And they say uh, that Joe Biden, uh, everything he just said was untrue and he had to quit the race because of it. There's a great media montage came out at the same time, 1987. Joe Biden was chased out of the race because he got caught not only in one lie, but in like a thousand. The man can't tell the truth. So look, I mean, use your imagination. The truth is all over the place. And it's still findable, even if they're trying to minimize it, even if they're trying to um, uh, you know, make it hard for you to find. Hey, the other thing you can do is become very conversant in the election of 2020. Um, 
there is a, there are some great articles out there that show that Joe Biden's victory is completely implausible. And if it's true, it defies every single political trend for the past 100 years in terms of the counties he won, the states he won, the, you know, just it, it makes absolutely no sense. So just, uh, you know, just uh, look a little bit stronger, practice, brush up on your debate skills. You got a lot of Democrat friends, huh? Absolutely. But yeah, let me give you two quick thoughts. My father died over 30 years ago. Sometime in 1970, he said to me, the world today, we don't honor and respect the police the way we used to. Just to show you, and this is going back in 1970, he told me. I'm 80 years old now, so, you know, the world has changed. Well, right? listen, uh, you know what? He was, you know, history can be very cyclical and repetitive. And, you know, it's old is new again or new is old again. I don't know how it goes. But, you know, in 1970 in New York City, something like 13 cops were shot and killed. And like in one year, I think it was 15. I mean, we don't, thank God, we don't have that now. But that doesn't mean we rest on our laurels. I mean, too often it's like saying, uh, you know, if if infant mortality doubled uh, this year, we'd have a real crisis on our hands. But you couldn't go around saying, well, hey, it's a lot better than it was in 1910. You know, that's not that's not the rejoinder. So it's interesting that your dad said that, though. My dad points that out to me a lot, what was going on in the 1970s. But he does say that today is different. There's something there's something there's something different going on because. How do I put this? The radicals were treated as radicals in 1970. We knew there were maniacs. Society accepted that. Um, the New York Times accepted that. The New York Times accepted that there was good and evil and law and order and all that stuff. I write about this in my book, which I hope you bought, Dave. Justice for all, how the left is wrong about law enforcement. Because what happened in 1972? I mean, there were fire. There were 40,000 fire bombings in 1971 in in, in New York City. I'm sorry, in uh, the United States, 40,000, and uh, dozens of police officers were killed. And and Richard Nixon was reelected with 49 states, 49 states voted for Richard Nixon and they renounced all that stuff. But if you looked out the window now, you have mainstream institutions adopting all of this crap. You know, you got the NFL, (laughs) the NFL, you got Budweiser beer doing the woke waltz. That's pretty crazy. Dave, I know Deerfield Beach well. I hope you're enjoying yourself. How far are you from Hillsborough Boulevard? Oh, five blocks. Yeah, (laughs) right over. It's a great town. It's a great, nice town. Thank you, pal, very much for calling. Yeah, I love Florida, but it's uh, it's not it's not paradise, right? It's not it's not. You got to keep your head on a swivel down there too. There's a lot of crime down there, although they do have the death penalty. As a matter of fact, they just put somebody to death uh, uh, over the weekend. Joe in Miller Place. Hello. Greg, good to talk to you. Love your show, radio and your 10 o'clock show. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, just want to bring up a point. All these people that are talking about the assault weapons as a weapon of war, uh, in wartime, there's other weapons, too. I'm not on their side, but they're always hooked on this assault weapon. You have the 45 automatic, which has been used since, I think, World War One, and they never mention that. Now, I know... Uh, Officers who have been in war and have killed the enemy with a forty-five automatic. Does that mean that's a weapon of war now? It was in a war and they killed the enemy. That's not a weapon of war. Well, Why wait, they I, I, the forty-five is a semi-automatic. 
The forty-five is a semi-automatic. But I know what you mean. They're always saying assault weapons, assault weapons, assault weapons. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're – and they think that any so-called assault weapon, if you pull the trigger, you know, uh, 6,000 rounds a minute come out or something like that. They don't know what they're talking about. you got to pull the trigger each time. And that goes for the forty-five as well. Now, Joe Biden doesn't know the difference between the, the, a machine gun and a, uh, a semi-automatic rifle. He does not know the difference. Um, but I, I, I'm not wrong on that. Am I forty-fives? You got to use the. Uh, you got to pull the trigger each time for a bullet to come out, right? Yeah, and the clip holds, I believe, uh, ten or ten or eleven bullets. Still holds a lot. They're talking about uh, they want to limit the amount, but they never they never go for that. They're always going for the. Uh, Weapons of war, the AR-15. The other weapons were used in war, too, but they, they just, they're hooked on that one. I don't know why. And there's a lot of pistols in the United States that kill people, but they don't say, oh, we want to get rid of the 38 or the snub nose or the 45. It's always the AR-15. Hey, That's by the way, speaking talk. of which, Vivek Ramatswamy, I love this guy, okay? And he's got a big future. I don't want him to win, but uh, regarding the AR-15... He uh, he overdid it a little bit at the convention, so he goes to the NRA convention, and you know he's a uh, he's a very intellectual type. You know he went to Harvard and uh, I think he went to Yale Law School or something. But so he you know that crowd, generally speaking, generally uh, plenty of exceptions, is not exactly the kind of people that hunt. But listen to Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he's trying a little bit too hard here. Okay. Talking about his AR-15, cut 23. The reason I became a gun owner is that the Second Amendment was made for moments like today. I'll tell you this. Somebody out there, I was walking the halls, asked me a question. He said, what kind of gun do you own? I said, I own an AR-15. He gave me a little quiz. He said, what does that stand for? So you don't know what it stands for? It stands for freedom. That's the real answer. Yeah, the, the, the crowd is groaning. All right. They're, they're, they're not buying that. Oh, you give me a break. I don't think he knew that the answer was Armalite. AR, which I will say myself, at one point I thought it was automatic rifle. No, it's Armalite, the manufacturer. Here's something else to your point there, uh, Joe, about uh, assault weapons. Oh, boy, they just love assault weapons. Talk about assault weapons. Cut 22. Assault weapons. These are weapons of war. There's no reason for assault weapons. There's no reason to have them. There is no reason for us to have assault weapons out on the streets. That is not what our founding framers intended. Ban assault weapons. Ban them again. Do it now. Enough. Do something. Do something big. No. <laughs> no. You don't know what you're talking about. Assault weapons. It's like a, it's, <laughs> you got to pull the trigger each time. I don't care if it's a rifle or a pistol. All right. Those are weapons and we're keeping them. All right, Joe. Thank you very, very much. Good to talk to you again. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. I, um, more than ever, more than ever, the Second Amendment, more than ever. I will admit it wasn't my big issue for a long time. Now, more than ever. Uh, the NRA convention, maybe I'll even go next year. Hmm. By the way, if people treated the NRA with respect and realize that they've got something to share, something to teach, the National Rifle Association, half of what they do is about weapons safety. Listen to this. This is a little thing they put out for women and guns from the NRA. Cut 20. 
Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the people are finding out that Kelly Ripa is the worst television host in the history of television. Oh, boy. How did she get away with it for this long? Uh, she's got her husband on the show, Mark Consuelos, who's a very nice guy. Uh, but even him, I'm sorry. I just, do you realize they've gotten paid between the two of them hundreds of millions of dollars for that silly, beyond ridiculous chit chat show, which I don't think many people have ever, ever actually even seen. I mean, really, have you seen it since Regis left? Has anybody really ever seen it since Regis left? I mean, sat there and watched an episode. Regis said interesting things, and now what do they do? They suck up to celebrities. That's it. And now, since they're so famous themselves, it's just it's nauseating. I once saw her. Gosh, what did she do? Posh Spice was on there, and all they did was talk about how gorgeous she was and some silly story between them about their bringing their kids to school, same school. I, I just made no sense whatsoever. So it's the first show without Ryan Seacrest. I never saw it with Ryan Seacrest either. Although Ryan is a very gifted broadcaster. He's good. Uh, how did he put up with Kelly for all those years? I don't know. Another one who's, I'm sorry, terrible. You know, they, you can produce, you can, you can produce around a host and make them seem adequate. And a great example of that is Michael Strahan. Oh boy. Where would he be if he did not have that uh, gap in his teeth? Huh? Where would he be? Um, all right, I got to go across the street in a moment. And uh, did you see my Harry Lorraine tribute the other day? Harry Lorraine, oh my goodness gracious, what a guy! What an amazing man, the memory man. If you want to improve your memory, look up Harry Lorraine, L O R A Y N E. Just a great guy. And he was down in the dumps when he was a kid. His dad was very abusive toward him because he got bad grades. So he goes to the library and he asks the librarian, I need to improve my memory. Are there any books here that can help me? And she brings him into some corner of the library where they have a bunch of books from Greek philosophers. And he said, I didn't understand 90% of it, but I was, I I understand enough of it to learn about memory. And this is that guy in action. Cut 28, please. Cut 28. He's on some old timey show in the 1950s and he memorizes everybody's name in the audience. Cut 28. I believe that's Mr. Rutherford and uh, Mrs. Anderson is in between the Rutherfords. There's Mrs. Rutherford on the other side of Mrs. Anderson. Mr. and Mrs. Hajini, I hope I pronounced that correctly. This is easy because it's the Watney family. It's Mr. and Mrs. Watney, Mr. Watney, and Mrs. Watney. Uh, Did you see my Friday show on Newsmax? I played some of those clips, and then I demonstrated, uh, well, my memory, the the. I learned his techniques. I learned them in a book called Page a Minute Memory. And it's really amazing. Here's one thing I memorized a long time ago. The flags of the world. And you show me a flag, I can tell you, I can tell you where it's from. From Uganda to Mozambique to Brunei, I can tell you where that flag is from. And yeah, you can do things like that. But you can also uh, a list or a speech or something important. And how about names? Names. You know, how many times do we call each other? Hey, man. Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. You know, I mean, (laughs) you just like, isn't it be nice to acknowledge people by their name? Right. Anyway, Harry Lorraine can help you do that. He died about uh, 10 days ago now at the age of 96, I believe. 96. Great guy. And it was a, a real honor to know him. 
Um, I have a podcast, Greg Kelly Podcast. You can find my interview with him on that. You look up Greg Kelly, Harry Lorraine podcast interview. Uh, one of my favorites, by the way. Listen, I'm sorry we uh, don't have any time for more calls. Uh, Vito, Eric, David, Jim, Andrew, and the rest. Apologies. I will see you tonight on the Newsmax show. And, um, oh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, my father is speaking at the Jewish Center on West 86th Street at 7 o'clock. West 86th Street. Let me see if I got all the details here. Um, 7 p.m., 131 West 86th Street on the 10th floor. Um, You can also buy one of my books while you're at it. Uh, But Ray Kelly speaking about uh, criminal justice matters and more. Tonight, tomorrow at 7 on the Upper West Side. All the best.